0: Studios. From Snap Judgment's Underground Lair, welcome to Snap Judgment, a very special Snap Judgment. Because last week, we brought you the search for Noni Naporva, part one.
1: I got a picture of her, and then they sent a very poor, (laughs) grainy, black and white video of her in the orphanage. And I saw her move and cry and smile. I just couldn't wait to be with her. I remember seeing some kind of a headline that said something about baby buying and selling sting was successful. Folks believed that I was hired as one of those individuals who transport children to different countries in the West undercover. I just thought, well, this will get straightened out. I just assumed that I would be cleared. But in the meantime, where is my daughter? And Sister Teresa opened the door. She said, nobody is going to touch this. And there's nobody that can help you except Manaka Gandhi in Delhi. So she looked at me and I said, Hello, uh, Mrs. Gandhi. And she said, I know you. She said to me, Look, you go to the airport, be there at 6 o'clock, and I'm going to send a baby that will be given to you with all of her papers. You get on the plane and you get out of this country I never want to see you again. I looked at her and I said, no. I want my daughter. In the last row of cribs, a little baby on her stomach lifted her head and she looked up and our eyes met. She had a little string around her wrist and the string had a number on it, and it said, No name, porva. So everything seemed to look up. And when I spoke with Sister Teresa, she explained to me that it wouldn't be safe for me to stay by myself in a hotel. They will kill you. You don't understand. And I didn't know if it was a figure of speech or what. And then she explained to me that You need to be in hiding.
0: When we last left Danielle Green, her lawyers had just sent her to the prison where the man responsible for trafficking over 50 children, including Anna Porva, was being held.
1: And if he will sign this document that her parents gave her up freely and that you are not participating in any kind of a ring, that I will begin to process the papers. I mean, all of this is confusing. Why would they believe this criminal anything he would say? But those were the instructions.
0: The man refuses to sign off on the papers, and Danielle walks out of that prison empty-handed. No closer to bringing Anna Porva home. Today, we proudly bring you the conclusion of this story The Search for Nona Anna Porva, Part 2. Here's Snapchat and producer, Nancy Lopez.
2: Danielle went back into her hiding place, back to the empty hospital room with the blacked out windows and padlocked door.
1: A few days later, in which I'm in a state of feeling pretty discouraged at this point. I had Anna Porva there with me. I had bathed her in the sink, and at that moment, these two men burst in the door. One was carrying a large brown bag, and my heart started pounding, and I was terrified. Oh, my God, it's happened. I was convinced I was going to be killed. This is it. Anna Porva was on my hip, and I remember moving my arm so that I could hold her and move her in back of me. And I tried to talk with him and ask him, would you please make sure you don't hurt Anna Porva? Uh, She's just a baby. And the one man in front, in English, said, Are you Danielle Green? And I said, Yes. He reached his arm down into the bag, and that's the moment that I began to actually feel calmer, thinking it's going to be over now. It's going to all be over. And he said, God has spoken to me and guided me to you. And he handed me this picture.
2: The picture showed Danielle holding Anaporva for the very first time.
1: She has on this little rag tied for her diaper. And she's in my arms and she's staring wide-eyed at the camera. I'm smiling. And at that moment, I was just on top of the world. And that picture ended up in a local newspaper. And that's the picture that he had enlarged and framed and gave to me. The man introduced
2: himself, said he was a Christian pastor, and quickly tried to explain that only the love of God would make a single American woman from a Christian country fight so hard for a low-caste girl. We must be worth more
1: than we know, he told her. And he said, God has spoken to me. And has asked me to ask you for a blessing. That God has instructed me to start a church and a seminary and a school and a feeding center named after you. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how he found me and how he got into the hospital. I was shaking then and I just collapsed on the bed So, I basically wanted to just buy time. So Danielle asked the man his name. It
2: was Pastor Clement. I gave them my email address. They exchanged information. And she promised to be in touch, thinking she'd probably never see him again. But for now, I need you to leave. And he left. Danielle's head was spinning. Here she was, in hiding, in a foreign country, desperately trying to prove her innocence. When out of nowhere comes this man, praising her efforts to adopt a Lombada baby. The next time Danielle met with her attorneys,
1: they told her it was time for her to leave the country. That things are not calming down and you are becoming the face for this conflict. And that in no way are you seen in public and become a target for anything else we need to go about this as quietly as possible working with the high courts on your behalf. So Danielle agreed to leave. Which was very hard to think that I'd gone through all of this and I was leaving, not knowing when I would see her again. Danielle quietly
2: slipped out of the country late one night and flew back home to Florida. By day, she was either in her office, seeing clients, or volunteering in Hadley's
1: first grade class. You know, and life would seem pretty normal. And then the next minute, I would be up throughout the night because of the time difference in India.
2: Talking with her attorneys or with Sister Teresa to see how Anna Porva was doing.
1: I was sending clothes and toys you know, taking out loans and refinancing things to send money for the attorneys and their help in India. And when she did get some sleep, Danielle had nightmares of her daughter Hadley being threatened. I would find myself waking up in a panic and going in to make sure that she was really asleep in her bed. Yeah, those were hard days. And I'm there June... July, August, September, October, in November, I received a call. In November of 1999.
2: It was a call from India. Her attorney said they finally had a court date.
1: I returned to the orphanage. Anna Parva was dressed in a little pink outfit that I had sent over to her And now, instead of like this eight-month-old baby that would just kind of sit up and play with me and, you know, try to pull herself up, now she came toddling, you know, just walking with her little hand trailing along the hallway, just staring at me. I don't know if she knew me or not, but she looks at me the entire time and she just walks right down and I, You know, I put my arms out and just let her take my hand.
2: A week later, Danielle stood before the judge at a high court in Hyderabad. Her two attorneys and Sister Teresa were at her side.
1: All of a sudden, I felt completely unprepared and numb on one hand, and yet my heart's pounding. I was asked if I am who I say I am. I was asked if I had purchased this child. Does that mean I had paid money to my adoption agency? Does that mean if I had paid money to the bio parents? It's all of a sudden all these different contexts because so much had happened. My head was swirling, and I certainly said no. I remember I was asked if I was going to use this child for any other purpose. If I was ever going to use her body for any other purpose, I just stood there saying, no, no. Your Honor, she's my daughter. I love her. I'll be her mother for the rest of my life. And he said that no name a would now be given to Danielle Green, a single American woman, to be raised in my home country, provided citizenship was granted and approved in the United States. I just remember packing up and <laughs> leaving Hyderabad. I was living on pins and needles in case anything would hold us up.
2: On the 18-hour flight home to the U.S., Danielle held Anna Porva on her lap. When the baby fell asleep, Danielle moved her to the empty
1: seat next to her. Anna Porva slept most of the flight. When we arrived here, she started wailing. And the only person that could comfort her was Hadley. And Hadley just began to hold her and rock her and make funny faces. And Annapur would look up at her and smile. And then Hadley would smile. And then they start playing and giggling back and forth. She just kind of slid into our lives with an ease that really belies any predictions.
2: In time, Danielle went back to work. Hadley started the second grade. And Anna Porva became a rambunctious toddler. Their strange
1: ordeal was now a thing of the past. And it wasn't until I received this information that it all broke open again.
2: Danielle was home one day in her office. Anna Porva was sitting on her lap when she saw a new email from Pastor Clement, the man who had surprised her with
1: the blown-up photo of her and Anna Porva. And he sends me an email and he says that I was out in the forest preaching and I had a picture of you and Anapurva on this makeshift altar. There is a group of people in the Lombada tribe that are hiking by gathering firewood. This family approaches me as I stand behind the altar and they tell me that they think this baby in the photograph is their child so i am contacting you to let you know is this possible do you think this is their daughter i remember i sat in a porva down on the floor as i reread this my heart sank what does this mean I was both very scared and very suspicious. And I thought, I've heard of things like this, where people will step forward and claim that it's their child. They may want money. There's something they're wanting. Danielle responded to Pastor
2: Clement with a list of questions for him to ask the mother. When was she born?
1: Was she healthy at birth? How long did she have Anna Porva? Does she have any brothers or sisters? How many brothers and sisters? What are the ages of the siblings? When did you give her up? And what were the circumstances? And I thought, surely from how she answers these questions, I will be able to get a sense if this person is telling me the truth. That's when I send him a camera, ask these questions, and take these pictures, and please give get back with me. Sometimes I'd feel relieved when I wouldn't hear from him because I thought, well, maybe this really wasn't her family. And other times I would think, well, why would somebody say that unless it is the biological mother? And then there were times I would feel a strange kind of calmness, and I would think, I've lived through all of this. So I waited for several months.
0: When we return, Danielle receives a very unexpected letter. On Snap Judgment, the search for No Name Part 2 continues. Stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast with Progressive? It is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate. Then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates' comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Welcome back to Snap Judgment. When last we left, Danielle and Anna Purva were settling into their new life together in Florida.
2: And then one day, Danielle found a big envelope stuffed inside her mailbox from India. When she opened it, she found a few things. First, Danielle pulled out a handwritten letter. It was a few pages long from Pastor Clement. He'd found the woman claiming
1: to be Anna Porva's mother. The answers to the questions were consistent with everything that I had been told. She said that her baby was born in August. She didn't know the exact date, but she described where the moon was. She gave the ages of her other children at the time. It was the same as in all my records I had. And in the scribbled notes of this pastor, it was at this point that she said, I had my baby for a month. She was sitting and nursing Anna Porva at the moment, and that she had been approached by a woman by the name of Marguerite, who introduced herself as a social worker, and that she would like to buy her daughter and she was exhausted, and had eight other children. They were all hungry and tired, and that she was scared that she now had another girl with no hopes for a dowry to even get the other girls married. And that she could only think, with having so much money, all the bundles of rice she could buy. And that Marguerite explained to her that her daughter, who she named Aparva would be given this wonderful home where she would not have to walk all the time carrying all of this wood on her head and would not need a dowry and would live like a queen and that with that she would have fine karma. The mother said that she was Overcome with great sadness, and she gave Annapurva then to Marguerite, who took her then.
2: Danielle looked back inside the envelope and pulled out a handful of Polaroids.
1: The expressions of the other children were so much the expressions of Anna Purva, they They all look alike.
2: And then there was a photo with the mother and father you know what was your reaction to learning that she was a purchased
1: baby you know i was i was devastated i was i was shocked at how i hadn't been able to figure that out i questioned myself and i mean it's humbling you know in my work as a psychoanalyst you know that the defense of denial When we think, we are seeing what we're seeing, and we could all have a flimsy grasp of reality. And at that point, you know, there was an earthquake inside. I realized I didn't have the information. I had been so naive and determined to save one child. Did you feel complicit, knowing now that
2: you had been involved in something that was criminal?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely, I felt complicit. I felt like I'd lied. I had shame. I had said things that I didn't know that I wasn't telling the truth. I could say it was very self-serving. I felt horrible. And then the, the real push began, what does this mother want and need now? And how do I make this right? Right. It was a matter of getting in touch with this family and finding out if they regretted their decision and if they wanted Anna Porva back. I mean, really, like,
2: would that have been fair to Anna Porva after everything the both of you went to to get to this
1: point? Of course not. And I think those are just some of the thoughts I had. I had to just ask a simple, direct question not knowing how that would get played out, what that would mean, but I needed to ask
2: that. Danielle emailed the pastor and told him she had one more question for him to ask Anna Porva's mother. Would you like to
1: have her back?
2: It would take another several months for the pastor to get back to Danielle with an answer, but he did. And Anna
1: Porva's mother said, Could I go see her? And he said, it's across a big ocean. And she said, could we walk there tomorrow and I could see her? And he said, no, an ocean is a very, very big body of water. It's too far to walk. Is she happy? And Pastor Clement said, she's very happy. Does she have enough to eat? Oh, yes, he said, she has plenty to eat. And she said, does she have good karma now? And he said, yes, she has wonderful karma. And she said, I feel so fortunate that I have a daughter who gets to live like a Purva. He went back to them and he asked that question. He asked her two or three times. And she always said, no, we are very proud that she has a wonderful life. Then Danielle realized there was one more question she hadn't asked. And it took a long time before I got this response, but I was told the amount of money, and it came to what would be equal to $22.
3: Hearing that I was sold essentially for a
1: small price, that pained me so much. And I know that she's been left with questions about the meaning of that. What does it mean to be sold? It does set me back sometimes
3: a little bit. I do have some internal battles with myself of, you know, am I worthy of being here? Do I deserve this life that I'm living? Did they give up the right child? Am I making everyone around me proud?
2: Did you ever question any choices your mom made along the way?
3: No, I didn't. Because I trust my mom and I believe in everything that she does as she has believed in me and everything that I do. Did. Did you ever feel any kind of ill feelings
2: towards your mom in this at all?
3: Um, not that I really remember.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Did you see it or feel it? I I didn't, but that doesn't mean that you may not have had it. My hope would be that you would feel free to acknowledge any negative feelings t- toward me, that mm-hmm. that's part of the complex relationships that happen. It's part of love. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's okay if you did. Yeah. Um, no, I
3: didn't because I feel only great respect for my mom. I never thought about Oh, I wish my mom had not adopted me. Because I'm so happy she did. (laughs) Um, But should she have asked more questions? Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. But, you know, the way I see it is she did the best thing for me. I think both of my mothers did the best thing for me. And so I'm tremendously grateful to both of them. I'm not a survivor of something particularly violent, but I grieve a lot for the girls that were sold into human trafficking and sexual slavery. You know, hundreds and hundreds of girls were not as lucky as I was because that that could have been me so easily, and it was by some stroke of fate that I was not.
0: A huge, huge thank you to Anna Porva and Danielle Green for sharing their epic story with Snap Judgment. Now in the summer of 2020, Anna Porva plans to travel to Hyderabad, India with Danielle to meet her biological family for the very first time. The original score for that story was by Renzo Gorio. It was produced by Nancy Lopez. That happened again, right when you weren't looking. But if you missed even a moment of epic storytelling, not to worry. <laughs> Actually, worry, because these are troublesome times. Who knows if what's there today will be there tomorrow. It'd be amazing. Snapchat and Podcast, wherever you get your podcast, load up on stories. It might change your life. It certainly changed mine. Please hit me directly on the Twitter or Instagram. I'll let you know what I really think. Stand Judgment is brought to you by the team that is just like family. A strange, dysfunctional, shady family, but a family just the same. Please give it up for the Patriarch, the Uber producer, Mr. Mark Listich. Anna, second cousin Sussman. captain C Miller lives upstairs. Nancy Lopez sees the neighbors through her telescope. Liz, the caretaker Matt Leon. Likes coffee, Morimoto. Lauren takes tea, Newsom. Marissa, Vakatonic Dodge. Great Granddad, Renzo Gorio. Shayna, Auntie, Sheely. Will and Trust by Eliza Smith. The preacher, Flo Wiley. John, Fried Chicken for Seal. Nicker Singh checks the mailbox three times a day. Taylor Cot sends Nika letters three times a day. This is not the news. No way is this the news. In fact, you could go bowling. <laughs> why, why? People still go bowling? Yeah, you could go to an actual bowling alley with bowling balls and pins and all that and you would still, still, would still not be as far away from the news as this is. But this is PRX. PRX.